hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark Yes, indeed. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. I remain Mark Hershon, your humble host, and all beef lunch and meat for Epi 145, the post-Christmas, mid-Hanukkah, pre-New Year's installment of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast. I hope your holidays are being grand, and we appreciate you taking us along through this winter wonderland. Unless you're in Australia, like our friends Dean Haglin from the Chillpack Hollywood Hour, or Jabs from the D-Head Factor, because it's summer down under. Is there anything more festive than passing the succotash for the holidays? I think not, and that's why I'm glad you're here with us today, or tonight, or whenever you're listening to this. This is an installment of Succotash Clips, where we feature snippets from comedy soundcasts from around the internet. I believe the lion's share of this epi's clippage comes from our associate producer, Tyson Saner. I snagged a couple, but no one sent any clips in this time. You're always welcome to, by the way. And it's so easy. Just click on over to Hightail.com slash U, the letter U, slash Succotash, and you can directly upload your three to five minute soundcast clip to us in either MP3 or WAV format or whatever you got it in, we can probably make it work, so... Check that out. There's a link to that in uh, the show blog for this episode up at our home site, SuckatashShow.com. So you can just click on that and then upload your clip to us. Coming up this show, we're featuring samples from the aforementioned Chillpack Hollywood Hour, Just in Time, Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw, Office Hours Live, Pepper in the Salt Shaker, Talk It Out, and Tokyo Hotel. I also mentioned a couple of sound casts along the way that we didn't have time to clip because I just found out about them and because I'm on them. <laughs> All right. In addition, we have a double dose of our Burst O Durst segment with our resident political comedian and social commentator, Will Durst. And this episode, as they've all been since we started, our sponsors, Henderson's Pants, which is bringing back their old Lang slacks just in time for the new year. All right, a couple of places that I'll be appearing live coming up in the new year. They're both connected to the 16th annual San Francisco Sketch Fest, which takes place every January here in the city. Over 400 shows in hundreds of venues across town. It's a great time to be alive and a fan of comedy. And on Sunday, January 15th, I'll be moderating a discussion just before the 40th anniversary screening of Kentucky Fried Movie. That's going to be live on stage at the Castro Theater with director John Landis and the producers, the Zucker brothers and John Abraham. Then a week later, or Jim Abraham, sorry about that. Then a week later on Sunday, January 22nd, we'll be doing a live episode of Succotash on stage at Piano Fight in the Tenderloin. Our booth announcer Bill Haywatt will be on hand as well as some comedy sound casters and comedians as well for 90 minutes of fun-filled fun. You can find out all the information, including ticket prices and locations, by visiting sfsketchfest.com. And I have links to the site up on our home site, succotashshow.com. Oh, and there are no soundcast reviews on Splitsider this week because of the holidays. Instead, I got to do a little write-up uh, on a piece on my best medicine to chase away the holiday blues. That's the movie Time Bandits. Terry Gilliam, the director, just had the whole thing remastered, so it looks great. You can catch it streaming online. So check out that write-up up on uh, Splitsider. There's a link to it in the blog piece for this show. Enough of that. Let's jump in. The clips are fine. 
One of the drivers for me starting Succotash in the first place, nigh on six years ago, was listening to Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Helmed then, as it is now, by those paragons of Soundcast royalty, Dean Haglin and Phil Lairness. They're in the midst of their 10th year. And have uh, and, and just a couple of weeks ago dropped their 500th episode to commemorate the event, or maybe it was just to do something different. Dean and Phil took a field trip to the historic Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, a cemetery of legendary proportions. Here's a little bit of their meanderings. So, should we do We Kirk of the Heather first? This is where Reagan was married. I thought Reagan got married at the uh, uh, little church, little brown church in the valley. Uh, not we, Kirk of the Heather. Uh, he was married twice, Dean oh, Haglund. right. Good point. So who got married here? It wasn't Nancy. I think this would have been... Well, they were both Nancy. Oh, uh, no, Jane Wyman. Jane maybe. Wyman. I think Jane Wyman got married here. So we'll get out and maybe uh, just take a, a peek if you want to. Yeah. See, that's... Uh, that looks that's like... Right I there. feel like I'm in Ireland. Or Scotland. Or Scotland. I don't feel like I'm in Scotland, really. So... Entrance, you are invited to visit the Wee Kirk o' the Heather, except during services. Which is when? Yeah, but I mean, I would think they would want people attending services. Because it's an actual church. What, this is a... Yeah. You come to church here in the middle of the cemetery? Yeah. But we're not welcome. (laughs) Except during services. Right. I'm already confused. So here's the story... Of the Wee Kirk of the Heather. Oh my God, that's a long story. Picturesque little church takes us back uh, to the night when Douglas of anybody England, Fer Fergland, Fergland, Ferglard, Ferglard stood between beneath Anne Laurie's window and sang to her the romantic love song, which has since been sung and loved the world over. Oh, so see, it's a little love chapel. Ah. Right uh... Let's go in. The reconstruction. It's a reconstruction of Anne Laurie's church in Glencairn, Scotland, which was destroyed in 1805. Right. Which, um... Built in 1310, though. But which does beg the question, how can anyone know that it's a recreation? And it's completely locked. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've also found, is... You're, You're welcome my... to come in any time except during services, and yet we keep it locked all the time. <laughs> There's a little garden has been yeah, reserved yeah. for those of you who desire to draw apart and rest a while in silent meditation and prayer. Wow. So, Dean, you help yourself. Right. I'm going to do the vestry walk, actually. Look it. So this looks right out of, like, the silent movies. This is God's garden. Oh, look at that. There's a the marble bust of Jesus with his hands spread wide. The Christus. Oh, yeah. By Thorvaldsen. Thorvaldsen, 1770 to 1844. He's a sculptor. Yeah. Look at, you can see in there, how cute is that place? And as Dean spray paints his name on the <laughs> side of the church. Nixney. Now, oh. which which of these restroom signs <laughs> is authentic to the 1310 church in Glencairn? I've got to think the rusty one. Yeah, not the neon one no. that lights up? No. No. But look, yeah. Wow. I bet if you're here at night, it's scary. Do they, cl- well, they close it? 
Yeah, but if, I think if you're here alone during the day, it's scary. <laughs> I'm frightened as I speak. Listen to the acoustics in this scary hole. Are you terrified? I think this is maybe where they leave the body. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, when in Forest Lawn, make sure to visit the wee Kirk of the Heather. You'll feel like you're in Scotland. 1310. It's cold enough yeah. to be Scotland 1310 right now. <laughs> that episode also features one of their commercials from Empire State Gas, the official sponsor of Chill Pack, right up at the top of the show. It features yours truly as gas station attendant number one. So <laughs> catch the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour at their home site, chillpackhollywood.com. And that's chillpack, C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, hollywood.com. You can also hear them on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, the Laughable app, and more. For our first Bursto Durst segment this episode, our friend Will Durst is all about telling the Republicans how to get over there telling the Democrats to get over the election outcome. Spoiler alert, Trump won. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words for all the Republicans telling Democrats to stop whining about the election and get over it. Oh, really? Democrats should get over it. Get over losing a presidential election to an unqualified, high-strung, petulant flake soon to be in possession of the nuclear codes. Like, how exactly should they get over that, pray tell? Give us an example. Like the Republicans got over Barack Hussein Obama's two elections. That kind of getting over it. Because I seem to remember Mitch McConnell saying that his first order of business as Senate leader was to deny Obama a second term. I seem to remember the GOP Congress refusing to pass a bill that would smack of giving Obama any legislative victory, including obstructing legislation they previously proposed. I seem to remember Republicans trying to repeal Obamacare over 60 times. You mean that kind of getting over it? Does the term getting over Benghazi have any meaning here? Because if that's the kind of bipartisan holding hands you're looking for, you might get your wish. Republicans aren't just sore losers, they're sore winners. If whining were an Olympic sport, the GOP would be ineligible due to having lost their amateur status right around the middle of Nixon's second term. They perfected whining to such an art form that some of their speeches should be part of the permanent collection of New York's Metropolitan Museum. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by almost 3 million votes after being gang-tackled by WikiLeaks in Orange Clown, the FBI, and Russia. You mean Democrats aren't supposed to report getting mugged by a foreign power? Pretty sure failing to report a felony is illegal. But nobody really cares because, after all, the Russians are white, aren't they? For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast... I'm Will Durst. Will is in the midst of his big fat year-end kiss-off tour around the San Francisco Bay Area. He and a cast of lunatics are somewhere pretty much every night through the first couple of days in January. So get on over to willdurst.com. You can find details and where you can get tickets and track him down. All right. Our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, clipped us off a hunk of the Just In Time soundcast. And it's interesting to note that this is one of those shows that is defined a bit by the fact that there isn't a whole lot of information about the hosts, the show itself, or anything else that's available to read online. You definitely have to be a listener to know what's going on with Just In Time. Tyson could glean that one host is named Rookie, or 
sometimes just Rook. Another is DJ. Plus, there might have been a third voice. It seems there may have even been a fourth host at one time. From SoundCloud, Tyson got this description. Quote, Small Town Comedy Podcast. Three broke stoners with a hint of geek discuss everything from movies, comics, sports, random everyday life, and embarrassing personal stories. New episode every Tuesday. Unquote. This clip is from Epi 54 this past November 15th, and the episode is entitled Legal Butt Bush in the Middle of the Biodome. I think that's enough said. Somebody had to be somebody had to be a pussy and it got to be Pauly Shore in the nineties. Now oh, it's Michael Sarah. <laughs> Michael Sarah doesn't have near the charisma that Pauly Shore no, had. He doesn't. <laughs> that's I love that, that goddamn that. meme, dude. <laughs> Which one about the, Michael Sarah not being a real actor? Yeah, he just, he just awkwardly walked the into the right place at the right time, and now he's too awkward to he's get too, out. He's too scared to tell anyone he's not a real actor. Yeah, and he's in over his head. Because <laughs> the picture they have with that, him like holding tuna and shit, is just in fucking the perfect. Store, yeah, yeah, dude. Just look like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, Michael Sarah, he's a douche okay. now. I'm sorry, if he hears this, yeah, you look like a douche with your fucking pencil mustache and little goatee and your beanies. Wait, he has a pencil mustache? Yes. Like a real... He, that's yes. him? He looks like me. Wow. With a beanie. That's someone you could take, Rookie. You might not be able to take kick-ass, but I think Michael Sarah could kick your ass, too, probably. Oh, fuck no. Scott Pilgrim, I'll stick both feet in his <laughs> asshole. <coughs> let's, let's put that up to a poll. Who who do you think will win in a fight, Rookie or fucking Michael Sarah? <laughs> me, goddammit. <laughs> Maybe one day, maybe one day we can have a charity event. Of me and Kick-Ass. No, you and Michael Sarah. That's that's more entertaining. You and Kick-Ass, that's a charity thing too, but that's one where it's just, that. that's not a competitive thing. That's just Kick-Ass kicking your ass. It would be competitive. Plus, neither of us knows Kick-Ass's real name. I'll put fucking Mercury in my gloves. Mercury? Yeah. What the fuck? I saw on CSI. A dude killed another dude with it. Really? Boxing match, yeah. That, Sorry, that's fucked up. But yeah, is that what the is that what fucking Sonny uh, <coughs> Liston did? I think so. Is that you know what I'm talking about, huh? Yeah, when he fought all the and shit, and there's that something in my eye. Oh, I don't know why I said but, it. Yeah, so dude, they used retarded. to put a whole bunch of shit inside yeah. fucking gloves. I mean, we've all heard about the nails and all that shit. The real fucked up shit where people are just getting holes punctured in their face. That's real too. That's fucked up. That's a fucked up thought and a notion right there. I would not. I would quit boxing. Like, yeah, that guy just stabbed me in the face a bunch of times. He shanked me with his fist. I, I, I quit. And he smiled. Like, yeah. he's a sinister bastard. And you guys are mad at me for headbutting him. Yeah. Like, headbutting him with my holy fucking cheese, Swiss cheese face. Yeah. He deserves to get punched in the balls. You know how much I love cereal? Do you know how much I love cereal? And now I've got holes in my face. <laughs> what? What do you? Why are you looking at me? Confused? I'm confused. What does it, what does cereal have to do with holes, with holes in, the, in your yeah. Cereal is saturated with milk. If I'm gonna eat, if you're eating a bowl of cereal and you've got a bunch of holes in your cheeks, oh yeah. What's the, what's, the what's the first thing you do when you get the? What's the first thing you do when you get the cereal spoon up to your mouth? You kind of sort. You, you suck it in a little bit. It sounds disgusting, but it's to get all the milk up too. It's not so much you're sucking each individual Cheerio. You Ooh, that, that sounds kid. horrible. You slap that kid because technically that's not eating it wrong, but that's eating it wrong. It's not supposed to be like a Cheerio going in, going into a butthole. That's not. 
Buttholes don't vacuum. I don't like this. <laughs> they do. Unpurse your lips. <laughs> That's why. Dude, I oh I can my see God. somebody doing that. Dude. Each individual one. Dude, oh my fuck. <laughs> With fucking pebbles. <laughs> I would be the asshole that would use my tongue for each individual pebble. Uh, uh, I would uh, hit that person. Because uh, I would start getting sick. I would, I would throw up. Like, look over just. Uh, <laughs> and just fucking throw up. It'd be pissed. <laughs> that would suck. Who individually dabs pebbles? That's a dick move. Fucking pricks. <laughs> Whoever does that, you're not a friend of mine, and you will never be a friend of mine. That's the person that scrapes the frosted off the mini wheats. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know there's a person like that that exists in the <clears throat> world that scrapes the frosted off of the fucking shredded You strangle that motherfucker with a Garrett wire. <laughs> like That sounds horrible. The Just In Time Soundcast is available on SoundCloud, Blueberry, Google Play, Player FM, iTunes, and basically all over the place. I just saw that episode 48 of the Movies Made Me soundcast just dropped this week, hosted by Cheryl Jones, who was my table neighbor at the 5th LA Podcast Festival back in September. While hers is not a comedy soundcast per se, she did end up talking to a whole lot of comics that weekend about which movies were an influence for them, so this is a jam-packed episode with a lot of comedy references and stuff, so... Um, I should be playing a clip, but I just found out about it. Uh, the show includes Wayne Fetterman, Sam Levine, Todd Glass, Dave Anthony, and little old me. Yeah, well, as I said, don't have a clip yet. I'll get one up, but I just found out about it. You can check it out at their home site, mmmpodcast.com. Those are the initials of Movies Made Me, mmmpodcast.com. They're on iTunes and, well, you know, the rest. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Pretty sure I talked about It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, because that's usually the movie I talk about when people ask me about them. But uh, I'll have to give that show a listen myself, because I don't quite remember. Another Yuletide Harvest from Tyson is from Talk It Out, which proclaims itself to be a millennial-focused podcast that is entertaining, educational, and at the same time, controversial. This is from their episode entitled, Don't Save Us, We Don't Want to Be Saved. You have to just love how millennials tend to think they've pretty much got a lock on everything. And you know what? Maybe they do. Now back to this topic. Now we're going to get on white people at the audit. Um, dun, dun, dun. So can we talk? Hold on. Can we talk about white old people? Can we start it off at that point? Because you did kind of talk about how we should chair so people. But it's like a lot of white older people are not really like they're still stuck in 1960s when people who want to get rights and want to be a part of something and it's right. like you just think like are these people like these people lived through the civil rights era these people lived through all of those things but like they're still acting how they act mm -hmm. so it's like should we take from them because, you know, we have all of those podcasters, like the old white podcasters and radio shows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and they're like throwing all this information out at you, to, especially to the Republican parties and the Republican uh, millennials. And so then that that brings it back to us having because I've seen a video on Facebook, but it, it brings us back to this guy I've seen on Facebook. He said that Africa or Egyptians were not African. And it's like, it's radio shows and 
TV shows and old white people like that who have us thinking like really awful stuff. So what's your question? So it's not really a question. It's just mostly like, do, do you feel like older white people, do you feel like older white people have like a, a, a say of things? Cause you're talking about, you know, we should get wisdom from them and, and wisdom from older people. But at the same time, I feel like they never, like they're not living where we're living Mm-hmm. So it's like, what exactly can you teach me about life that I can't or that I shouldn't just learn on myself? I mean, are you saying that all older white people are racist and have nothing to offer? No, because that would be discrimination. And I like some older white people, but I'm saying majority older white people are the same older white people who voted for Trump. So, uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, you, you hang around older white people. I don't. I don't know any older white people except for uh, your grandma. So uh, that that's pretty much all the white people. I, that's that's something for you to for you to deal with. I don't know. I I would think anyway. everybody everybody has a story and everybody has something they can teach you. You know, they might be problematic, but as far as wisdom, I mean, it, it could be different aspects. Just somebody that made a whole bunch of mistakes in their life, and then they're like, well, I. I did this and I did that. Now I want you to go down that road that that way. Or somebody has wisdom as far as how to be successful. Or somebody has wisdom as far as how to uh, be a good father, a good mother. You know, Bro, you're so positive. Why do you have to be so positive about it? <laughs> be prepared to talk it out or at least listen to them talk it out over on SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever Soundcast can be found. They don't seem to have a dedicated website, so just Google talk it out, probably podcast. They're not using the Soundcast name. Uh, Or even better, visit us at SuccotashShow.com, and we will have a link to their SoundCloud frequency up on the blog piece for this show. Speaking of other shows that I'm on that I'm just finding out about, not that I was on the shows. I know I was on them, but I'm I'm just happened to be dropping this week. Another fine soundcaster I met at the L.A. PodFest is John Klimshin, host of a business soundcast called Your Startup Advisors. John interviewed me a few weeks ago about soundcasting and really more about branding, my real-world gig, and how it relates to business startups. That episode drops this week, and you can grab it off of iTunes, John's home site, yourstartupadvisors.com. And in a future episode, I will shave a few minutes off of our conversation that I had uh, with John at the podcast lab. It's pretty noisy stuff, so I haven't posted a whole lot of them because uh, I really have to clean them up. But uh, I will try and uh, salvage a few minutes off that. And maybe I'll also clip some of uh, my conversation with John on his own his own soundcast. Yeah, yourstartupadvisors.com is where you find it. That's also the name of the show. All right. Uh, I've uh, reviewed the soundcast Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw several times for Splitsider.com. I may have featured it here on the show once before. I can't quite remember. The, the premise is pretty simple. Joseph Scrimshaw, that is, basically brings on people to talk about a topic that they tend to obsess over. It's a little bit like Jackie Cation's Dork Forest in that regard. In one of his most recent drops, Joseph and his guests get into the Beatles and Beck which gets pretty down into the weeds as guests are already prone to uh, obsessing over minutia. They're Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson, the hosts of the Star Wars Minute soundcast, where each episode is devoted uh, to a single minute of the Star Wars films. You may have heard of it. It's quite 
quite well known. All right, let's hear them get amped up over something other than something that happened a long, long time ago. At the risk of turning this back into a plug, I think Beck would be fun to have on Star Wars Minute. <laughs> Is he a Star Wars guy? Yeah. Uh, not like... I haven't seen, you know, kind of obsession, if I if I may. I haven't Please seen him do. go overboard with kind of like, you know, crazy Star Wars stuff. But uh, like in one of his early videos, like it starts out where he's wearing a Stormtrooper helmet and then takes it off. And oh, really? I think he's had it. I've seen a picture of him with like a Star Wars shirt, maybe, or he's made a reference or two. How old is Beck? Uh, he's a couple of years older than me. So maybe he's around probably in between our ages. Maybe. So he's the right age to be a yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, perfect yeah. age. Yeah. First generation. I'm trying to think of the... there's. A relatively obscure tenant that is has a bunch of weird songs on it, but there's one that's like in parentheses it says Vader rocks. Okay, and it's because he's he does the song in a kind of with like a a vocal tuning that kind of pitches it down and makes it sound a little bit Vadery. But there's no explicit Star Wars content. It's not like from Vader's perspective. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) It's still it's still kind of abstract nonsense. But it's (laughs) with his voice pitched down, so it makes it look like yeah. I think we talk about Star Wars. Oh, nice. That's what I talk to everybody else about. Why not? (laughs) And which Beatle would you sit down with, Alex? Uh, Well, even though, as I said, John Lennon was the one I I liked the most. I think my impression is in real life he could be kind of a jerk sometimes. So I think I want to talk to Paul McCartney. And one thing I find fascinating is that like paul mccartney has been world famous his entire adult life he was like 20 years old when the beatles became big and so like like what he must have a completely different perspective on how the world works than yeah than other people like i don't even know how we could like i'd be like what's it like to be famous he'd be like i don't know i was famous me hold on you know like like i so i want to know like what paul yeah. mccartney thinks about and stuff does he so you would like try to quiz him on normal things and see if he understood the normal world well i wouldn't <laughs> quiz i wouldn't put it in that way just because i wouldn't want him to know i was doing that but i would definitely be like boy milk's really expensive these days right how much do you pay for milk these days <laughs> what's money says paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> I got you a cow. Yeah. Get it from the farm. <laughs> How many downloads does it cost? I don't know. <laughs> if you guys could have dinner with them together mm-hmm. and you were trying to get a conversation going between Beck, mm-hmm. Paul McCartney, and yourselves. Yeah. Do you think that would also be about Star Wars and uh, how Ooh. the reality of the universe works to non-famous people? <laughs> You're tr- trying to connect it together. Yeah, it could be. We might. Would it be embarrassing to bring up the time that they couldn't get into that party? Because that's no. like we could be like, "Oh, hey, I saw you on the the internet uh, getting denied." <laughs> that almost seems like a publicity thing. Like, oh, it'll, it'll seem, but they'll both seem cooler that way because Paul right. McCartney will seem cooler because he's hanging out with Beck, and Beck right. will seem cooler because he's hanging out with Paul McCartney. So it's like kind yeah, of I mean, a win-win. They, they can hang out and not get denied from an after party. They can just be hanging out. But and that makes them seem video. human. You know, yeah. them saying, oh, well, they were sitting in a gold throne while they were eating caviar makes it seem like they're kind of like jerks. But if they're like, oh, we, we even we get kicked out of party sometimes. Right. <laughs> I think that makes it seem like they're more, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Did they get kicked out because they were really drunk? They're, oh, they're, no, really, I don't know. No, <laughs> no, no they didn't get let in. That's the whole thing. They, they <laughs> yeah. weren't allowed. They were trying to kind of, you know, they weren't on the list. Yeah. Is it because so, they were not in like the current cultural zeitgeist? Like was, were they at a young person's party? Is that what it was? <laughs> The YPP, uh, yeah, I, I think they <laughs> you know were. I mean? It was it was a totally different kind of crowd, and and it was a young pop star that wasn't you know wasn't at all from the same branch necessarily okay. of 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 culture that uh, you know I think a lot of the people at the party, not only the people whose party it was, but a lot of the people at the party might have been like Paul, who like who's that guy? So it was a case of them not <clears throat> knowing them, not. 
oh, Paul McCartney's too too square to come to our party. Not that. It was that they right. really had no idea who he was. Yeah, I think so. You can find Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw at its home on the Feral Audio Network or on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., etc. Hey, if you like to hang out on Facebook, one thing you can do is hop over to the Succotash show page and listen to this and many past episodes right there on the page. In fact, if you open a second window and put Facebook up in that as well, you can keep on cruising through Facebook while listening to us on that other open page. I, I'm finding more and more about the Internet and how these things work every day. All right, let us pause for our legal obligation to play this word from our sponsor. Hello, friends, and Happy New Year from Henderson's Pants. As you set out with a freshly minted batch of resolutions for the new year, bound and determined to make at least some of them stick, be sure that one of those vows is to get yourself a pair of Old Lang Slacks from Henderson's. Crafted from recycled calendar pages from last year, Old Lang Slacks are then reinforced with the resolve of those who failed to follow through on their plans to better themselves. Double-stitched with the pain of failure, these pants are designed to stay with you throughout the coming year while keeping you on track when it comes to fulfilling those oh-so-important obligations to yourself. Here's the secret. Thanks to microchip technology, your old Lang Slacks are fully wired and ready for you to program in up to one dozen New Year's resolutions or 18 heartfelt promises not to let others down. Each time the pants sense that you're straying off that old resolution path, you'll get a jolt in your nether region that'll make you wish you hadn't slipped into that pair of the most comfortable pants you've ever owned. But too late now. Another vital feature of Henderson's Old Lang Slacks is the accountability time lock zipper and clasp. These pants won't come off until your resolutions are complete. Originally designed for parole violators, deadbeat dads, and political candidates, Henderson's Old Lang Slacks are available to ring in the new year at a church, synagogue, or mosque near you. That's Henderson's, makers of fine hair shirts and Iron Maidens since 1206 AD. And now, back to Sagatash. Tyson snipped us off a piece of a show that's only been around since October called Pepper in the Salt Shaker. Now, I'm used to hearing soundcasts from people who don't want people they work for or their parents knowing what they're talking about, so only go with their first names or nicknames. These guys have gone a step further. The two hosts of P and the SS, who describe themselves in the show notes on SoundCloud as two new Hoosier millennial dads, go only by their initials, D and AP. They refer to their show as a, quote, hastily edited grab bag of stories, rants, and general dickheadery that will make you laugh, cry, and could quite possibly make you shit yourself, unquote. Okay, tall order. Let's see if this chunk has you scrambling for the wet wipes. I feel like I want to start this podcast off with, like, can I, can I just ask you a couple questions? Like, is, this, is it bad to laugh at this joke? Because I'm in medical sales, and so I was into surgery this past week. And okay. And this doctor, he kind of said like some racist ass joke, I mean, it was like, oh, borderline. God. You know what I'm saying? Like it was borderline. So, well, before but, you tell your story, let, let's just tell our audience, remind them we live in Indiana. Oh, in Indiana. So, yeah. in my my experience uh, growing up as a uh, as a young black male, young black professional, hashtag black excellence, in um, in Indiana is people make borderline jokes all the time. 
I'm not sure what this joke is about to be, um, but uh, I'm sure I can give you some good advice right, on let it. Me just, so well, tell, so, tell me what it is. So here's a little context. We were so we we're in the like I assist in, in the operating room. I kind of stand there, and make sure he's, he's using my products, he or she, whoever maybe. And so we're in in the in the operating room, and and it's actually he is he is. Uh, He's Asian. It was an Asian joke. Oh, oh, so was, okay. So okay. it's like he was making the joke, and he just like looks at me in the middle of the surgery with like the nurses in there, the techs, the patients knocked out, and like he looks at me and he goes, "Alex, why are Japanese girls so hard to break up with?" And I kind of <laughs> look at like, and it was so out of the blue. I'm like, at first, did you think he was, was like, like asking like a real question, like, like, like a real question? I was like, Doctor Lee, I have no idea why Japanese girls are the hardest to break up with, and he goes. Because you have to drop the bomb twice on them before they run. Oh, and, and shit. They, and all the nurses started laughing. And I didn't know, like, if I should start laughing. And I just busted is, out fucking laughing. Yeah, is it like, is it too soon? I was like, is, like, is it too soon? But he goes, he just looks at me and he goes, it's cool to laugh. It's cool. Because I, I don't know if he was Japanese or not, but I was I, like. Damn, that's a good ass joke. I think, I think that's one of those situations where it's okay for him to make the joke. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I would it, never say yeah, that. Yeah, if he presents the joke, it's cool, and you can no, laugh at it. but it's good but... to, like, have, like, jokes on hand. Like, ever since that got me thinking, I don't really have, like, if someone says, hey, do you know any jokes? I don't really have one. Do you have any good no, jokes? No, I you, feel like that's you know such a... Like, you need to have one in your back pocket. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's such an old school thing. Like, my, my grandpa would always be... Uh, like ready with a joke. Like anytime we come over for a holiday or just come over to visit, he had jokes on deck. Like uh, just good ass jokes. Yeah, just good ass jokes. And I feel like that's an old school ass like man thing. Dudes used to tell jokes, but man, not not no, anymore. And no. So ever since then, I've been trying to like sneak jokes in like to random people here and mm-hmm. there. You know what I'm saying? Like I was at the gas station. This dude <laughs> just pumping gas, like his Dodge, like caliber, whatever. Wait, let me ask you a question about that gas station. Was there conveniently somebody there that um, had run out of gas and needed a little change? Every fucking time I go to the gas station, <laughs> somebody comes up and they're like, hey, man, I just ran out of gas. Uh, I just need Everywhere. a little change. I'm like, oh, really? 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 Everywhere. Every time I'm here? No, I didn't, no one came. I mean, I not this time. But, okay. But it was like after, so after the, I'm filling up and this guy sitting there and I was like, all right, let's see if I got any jokes in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm feeling good, feeling... So we're just pumping and like we're making awkward eye contact because I don't really know like when like midstream if I should hit him up like it. But I just look over. He's wearing a Moorhead, a Moorhead State or Moorhead College sweatshirt. And I just go and I just kind of go Moorhead College. I go, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he goes, my son goes there. And I just was straight like, face, just straight face. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, my son goes there. I'm like, oh, I go, we have a lot in common. I went to Ball State. <laughs> and like, yeah, our school is a dick joke. Like, I tried to make, like, uh, a dick joke with this old man, like, at the gas station. He, and he just wasn't having it was not having it. Like, what, like, zero laugh, not a smirk, like, nothing. I was like, oh. It just I just, like, got back in my car and was like, okay, I need a fucking joke. So, I, yeah, need to, he, I need a fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I would have laughed at that because... Like, uh, uh, maybe he's heard it before and he's just tired of that dude, joke. Dude, Moorhead State, the best college name ever, dude. How but, can you not? I bet they have so many good dick jokes at Moorhead just, State. I mean, just going to Ball State, we heard it all the time. Yeah, ball so you, baby. Ball up. We ball were, sack. Or, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, we were used to it. So yeah. we're like, okay, yeah, our school's a dick joke. What up? So I didn't, know, I didn't know. You don't have any good jokes? You got nothing like that? I, I got nothing on deck. I got... I, you, 
Usually I just, if I'm trying to make somebody laugh or I'm trying to command a room, I just tell a story. Honestly, yeah, yeah. just like we do here on the podcast. But yeah, yeah, I, that's that's a good thing. I probably should have some jokes. You know, being in sales, you know, you only get thirty seconds with the doctor. You can make him laugh, make him be be memorable, dude. With the joke. Yeah, I mean, like, even with the ladies, a little maybe bit. not that, maybe not that joke that Doctor Lee used. But uh, oh no, 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 no. Well, my shorts are still clean, but D and AP have a refreshing sound. You can catch more Pepper in the Salt Shaker over on SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever else Google says they are. If you are unfamiliar with Tim Heidecker, you realistically have no one to blame but yourself. He's a comedian, writer, director, actor, and a musician. He's one half of the comedy team of Tim and Eric, along with Eric Wareheim. He's put together a fistful of TV shows and has been in some movies as well. So naturally, it's time to branch into the bastard world of soundcasting. Office Hours Live with Tim Heidecker is pretty fresh. He just takes Skype calls for an hour and a half from anyone who wants to call and ask him questions about, well, pretty much everything. Let's listen into a bit of that. Um, yesterday was very exciting. Um, I was staring at the wall and um, was thinking about uh, the technology, the uh, Facebook Live technology that we were playing around with last week, and um, and thinking it might be uh, fun to try to do a little little uh, live chat with the uh, with the audience here. So. Um, I think it's something I might try to do occasionally. Um, and um, all right, let's get to the calls and let's find out how everybody's doing. I'm going to be on for the next hour. It is noon and you're listening to Office Hours with Tim Heidecker. Let's take um, in no particular order. I'm just going to click on Brett. Is this uh, Brett? Everybody's doing? Brett? Hello. 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 How are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? Good. Uh, Brett, tell us a little bit about where you're calling from and what you what you're up to. Um, I'm in uh, Toronto right now. Where? Toronto. Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, and what are you up to? You're not working today? No, no, I just uh, finished school the other week, so I'm just, uh, just relaxing for now. Okay. Uh, Did you have any uh, questions or comments or complaints? Yeah, I had a question kind of about uh, your album. Um, were you nervous at all kind of trying to do something a bit more serious? Because, I mean, everything, or not everything, but a lot of what you've done has always kind of been at least like sprinkled with a lot of uh, humorous elements so I was wondering if you were nervous about trying to put something that wasn't actually like you know it was a little bit more serious you know I don't know if I was nervous but um, I mean it's I'm a little yeah sure I'm a little um, uncomfortable by the whole thing I'm not it's not my natural uh, uh, disposition to to be serious about the music but the, these are the songs I wrote and I wanted it to come out the way that it's coming out I, I enjoy the process of making the music and put and you know working with the people that may help me make the music, and the natural extension of that is to release it. So um, you know I'll, I think um, I'm going to get some shit for it, no doubt. But uh, whatever, I'll get through it. Well, I feel like fans will appreciate it. I mean, I I heard the 
kind of I guess the the big song or like the opening single is really great, man. So thanks. Uh, all all the best luck on that, Nick. And, uh, really appreciate what you're doing. I saw you at uh, the Opera House when you were here a few months ago, Canada. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun night. I appreciate. That. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you being there and supporting my work, and um, I wish you the best in your future endeavors. All right? Thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. Have a great day. Uh, great... All right. That was a great first call from Nick, um, and I appreciate him calling. You know, he's the first guy to call today, so God bless him. That's a taste of Office Hours Live with Tim Heidecker. Find it on Feral Audio, their home site, also on the Laughable app, iTunes, Stitcher. You surely must know where the soundcasts are by now, right? If there is a comedy soundcaster that you enjoy and you'd like to hear interviewed here on Suckatash, toss me a tweet, a message on Facebook, or email me to mark, M-A-R-C, at SuckatashShow.com, and let me know. I'm pretty good at tracking most of these monkeys down, and I'll go ahead and set up a chat with your favorites. You can also just go to SuckatashShow.com and leave me a comment in the comment section about someone you'd like to talk to. That way you don't have to remember anything else about how to get to me. Interview shows and yak fests between three or more people are just fine as far as soundcasting goes, but I've made no secret of the fact that I'm really getting on board with some of the great narrative series that have been cropping up during the past couple of years. Something with structure and stories, you know? So I'm all over this new soundcast called Tokyo Hotel from the Australian Broadcasting Company. It's eight episodes, that's it, eight and done, that take place at this rundown but formerly grand Los Angeles hotel. Rather than just pull out a scene, I'm going to just let the show's opening intro set it up for you. Welcome to the Tokyo Hotel. Established in 1913 by the billionaire businessman Terence Bickford, it soon became the place to be and the place to be seen. Located in the beauty of North Hollywood... The hotel was a beacon of the golden age. People would come from all corners of the globe just to sit in its beautiful cocktail lounge and listen to its world-class jazz, sample five-star cuisine or get pampered in luxury while staying in one of their sensational suites. The party of 1952 is here. It's all happening. The who's who of Hollywood. From Greek Tannenbaum to Sylvia Grintz, they've all turned out looking their best to the beautiful Tokyo Hotel's Night of Nights, their annual St. Valentine's Day soiree. This is what the hotel is known for. This is why it's here. Good evening, Los Angeles. I'm your host, Brock Talbot. Tonight, Hollywood Eye Spy gets exclusive access to the red carpet. Some stars have already pulled up to the grand entrance, including Adriana Grandshaw, Rohando Delaronte, Margot Broadfield. But right now, it's, oh my God, look who it is. It's none other than the beautiful Ziggy Martinez and her beau, Ponsonby Castle Great. No place on earth is more glamorous than here, the Tokyo Hotel. Oh yes, the hotel had it all. But like the coming of autumn to the stinky hot summer nights, so too does stinky hot change come to the hotel. And with that wind of change, fresh controversy. Tonight on 1960s Hollywood I Spy, 
A hot sauce spills that famed ex-child actor, Stephen Babyface Doorframe, was caught with a lady of the night entering the now more and more decrepit Tokyo Hotel. Things can't get any lower for that poor guy. Paying to make night love at the Tokyo Hotel Roach Pit? Ugh, it's two shameful birds with two shameful stones. More idioms in an hour. Nowadays, the Tokyo Hotel is a shadow of its former glory. Check-ins are down, but long-term squatters are up. The gold leaf of the falcons above the entrance has faded and the carpets haven't been cleaned. But the piano's ivory still tinkles and the kitchen's still staffed. The towels aren't as plush and the elevator smells weird. But the curtains still hang and the desk bell still rings on occasions. Not all things stand the test of time, and the Tokyo Hotel has certainly taken its fair share of hits. Hello and welcome to 1970s News. Authorities say that the underground lizard fighting ring has been operating out of the car park of the once-famed Tokyo Hotel. The staff refused to comment. But like a wounded giant, it stood amongst the rising and falling building of North Hollywood. Amidst the shifting sands of time and the sprawling throng of the great beast that is Los Angeles, the hotel has stayed open, never closing, never turning out its lights, never giving up on a dream long past. A dream that one day the Tokyo Hotel would rise again. Little did the concierge know that that dream might be closer than he thinks. That evening, under the neon glow of the old hotel sign, a tall, red-headed fellow walks through the famous swinging doors of the Tokyo Hotel. Good evening. Welcome to the present-day Tokyo Hotel. I'm your concierge, master of operations around here. If there is anything I can assist you with to enrich your experience at the Tokyo Hotel, please don't hesitate to ask. That's the Tokyo Hotel. I'm only partway through uh, the eight episodes so far, but I'm really enjoying it. Great characters, great writing. Uh, look for Tokyo Hotel through Google or Bing. If you use Bing, is that how you have to say it? Bing. Uh, you can also find it through the Australian Broadcasting Company, and uh, it's on iTunes, of course, so you can download it there. Uh, just as easy as anywhere else, I suppose. All right. Uh, we are going to close out this episode with one final burst of Durst featuring his annual Christmas gift list for some prominent individuals that they could probably really use, but presumably did not receive. But before we get to that, let's make a run through the tweet sack. There's Tweety. Happy holidays, you silly bird. And we'll see if we have any other tweets or emails worth bringing up. I got an email from Oliver Wellington, the main man behind the Spare Min app that you can use to talk to me live for up to five minutes at a time when it's mutually convenient. He says, hey, Mark, hope all is well. How are things going? I'm getting in touch to see if you or anyone that you know who either is part of a podcast or is thinking about doing a podcast would be interested in filling out this short 10-minute survey. And then he sends a link, which I'm not going to repeat here, but I will reproduce on the blog post for this episode. Thank you, Oliver. It's actually not a very, uh, I don't even think it took me 10 minutes to answer the questions. Uh, so check that out and uh, help Oliver make uh, Spearman even better. 
I got a nice thank you note from Dr. Norman Trousers for participating in this year's Cosm Earth Christmas special. I've only just started listening to it, but I will try to clip it for uh, the next Succotash Clips episode. You can find it in its entirety at CosmEarth.com. That's C-A-S-A-M-I-R-T-H dot com or wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. I got an email from Jason Klom, the host of the Comedy on Vinyl Soundcast, which I guested on earlier this year, talking about the National Lampoon's Radio Dinner album. He wanted to let me know about this crazy venture he's got out there, the smallest playable comedy record in the world. Now, this thing is, is pretty nutty. It's a real vinyl record about the size of a silver dollar that somehow fits on a turntable. It has the question part of a riddle on one side and the answer on the flip side. I've got the link up on uh, SuccotashShow.com for the blog piece for this show. So check that out. Uh, I would tell you the joke that's on the first record, but then there'd be no reason to go look at the video. So go check that out. It's pretty funny. Uh, I just got word that a documentary that I was part of, Three Still Standing, is going to be coming out shortly on Amazon Prime. That's the story of three San Francisco comedians who never hit it super big, but they're still making a living at the craft of comedy. It includes our very own Will Durst, as well as a a friend of the show, Larry Bubbles Brown and Johnny Steele. I show up a few times in that film, including a segment of a road trip that we featured here on Succotash, with Larry and me driving with Dana Carvey to a couple of road gigs. I'll let you know when uh, Three Still Standing is available, or you can visit their website, three, the number three, stillstanding.com for more information. And that brings us to our Tornado of Thankfulness, where we thank as many of you as we can for including us in your social mediums this past week or so, whether it was via tweets, retweets, follows, likes, hearts, thumbs up, or whatever. If you mentioned us, we'll try to make sure we mention you here. So here we go. I'm too effing high. Skydog 811. Broken Filter Live. Illusionoid. Mr. Reynolds. Spoke Media. Just Like Lasagna. Haley and Ruth. Susan Harrison. Kyle Andrews. Ice and the Face. Allison Ross. We Got This. Hal Lublin. Gemma Aerosmith. Podcast Network. Podcast Spotlight. Bill Sweeney. Julia Morena. Chirag T. Patel. Drunken Church Ladies, Sister Evelyn Knowles, Ben Tippett, Mary Kate and Ashtray, Podcast Booster Bot, Podcast Squared, Movies Made Me, Jordan Brady, Changes in Latitudes, Graham Elwood, Stuart Harding, Christine Blackburn, John Clemson, Dale Seaver, Joe Caulfield, Zachis Batman, William Runyon Jr., Space Star Drive, or Star Space Drive, rather, <laughs> Watching the Throne, Jason Klom, Dave in the Cave, Doc History, Sean Parker, Super PP Time, Capella Lacacia, Don't Fret Club, John Hall, Kirsten Chambers, Coactive Media, Candace Trice, Strange Times Podcast, Davian Dent, Ed Wallach, and the Salty Language Podcast. There's your tornado of thankfulness for this episode. If you mention us in your social media streams, we will do our best to thank you right here next time. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the non-stop madcap craziness finally reaching its red and green holiday crescendo. Don't know if it had anything to do with those earth-shaking, democracy-twisting events of November 8th, but it seems like people were extra special amplified crazy this year. So while we salute all you stalwart consumers for navigating those demolition derby parking lots in the honorable quest of sinking 
digging heavily into debt to celebrate the birth of that Jewish hippie kid. Let us also offer up Will Durst's 2016 Christmas gift wish list. These are the presents that folks presumably did not receive, but most certainly deserved. For Vladimir Putin, one of those extra-long telescoping leashes to control his new pet. For Donald Trump, who is proud of saying anything that flies into his head, a tiny, rabid West African hummingbird. For the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, a whip and a chair for when he has to deal with the executive branch. For Ronald McDonald, an extended vacation until the creepy clown sightings subside, hopefully after four years. For Melania Trump, a couple of gray hairs to give her some gravitas. For Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the finest healthcare available. For Anthony Weiner, a one-way ticket to a deserted South Sea island populated mostly by poisonous snakes and omnivorous snails. For Roger Ailes, an appointment for the same counseling group now attended by Bill Cosby. For Elizabeth Warren, portable Klieg lights to stay front and center for the next four years. For the new host of Celebrity Apprentice, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his own kill phrase. Something like, you won't be Bach. And finally, for the American public, a case of antacid for each of us to get through the first term of the 45th president, as the heartless, pummel the spineless, cheered on by the clueless. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. There's your second burst of Durst. Remember to catch up with him at his home site, willdurst.com. He's also tweeting at Will Durst. That's going to do it until our next episode. Remember that we're going to be at Sketchfest in San Francisco in January. Help us out if you can with a rating and a review on iTunes for Succotash. Use the Amazon banner at the top of our SuccotashShow.com home site to do your shopping because we get a little something-something when you do that. Click the donate button over on that home site as well. Buy some of our merch if you'd like. Have yourself a fantastic New Year's celebration, and whatever you do, wherever you go, don't forget to pass the Succotash. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. Not number You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Covey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye.
What'll it be? I was going to fill up with whatever's cheapest. I'll be happy to take care of that for you. I thought this was self-serve. We're completely full service here at Empire State Gas. Sure, it may cost you a bit more, but you're worth it. Now, what else can I get you? Something from the snack shop for you and the little lady? There is no little lady. I'm alone. And I just ate. Well, how about a complimentary balloon animal for the kids? I have no kids, and I'm still alone. Well, don't feel bad. You may be alone, but you're wise enough to come to the largest independently owned gas station chain in the Northeast United States. We're in Los Angeles. I'm sure that you know that our gas is organically grown and good for the environment. Good for the environment? That's right. When you burn our fuel, you're actually helping to reverse climate change. That's why we say at Empire State Gas, from farm to pump, we've got great gas.